the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. Opinions expressed may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Welcome to Life in Colorado. I'm Mark Howington, and I am here on the phone with Dr. Scott Clemens. He's the chief medical officer of New West Physicians in Arvada. Dr. Clemens, first of all, thank you for being part of the program. Well, thank you for having me on today. I appreciate it. Dr. Clemens, we're going to talk about something that's very timely, especially with schools getting going again. Now, obviously, there's still some debate about which school systems are doing in-person and which ones are doing online. But nonetheless, any time that people gather together in groups, and especially children as they deal with diseases, there's a real importance about immunizations. And I'm sure there's probably a lot of questions on a parent's minds about how to safely immunize their children. So first of all, let's let's just introduce the topic by that first question. Why do you think it's important for children to get immunized? Well, that, that's an important question here in Colorado. And my answer is that vaccines can prevent infectious diseases that previously killed or harmed many infants, children, and even adults. And so our current vaccine schedules are out there to help keep our our families and our our children safe from even simple, what used to be uh, simple diseases like measles and whooping cough. Now, last year, you may recall, especially uh, around New York, but there were outbreaks, if I recall right, I think it was Oregon, but I'm not positive on that. It may have been Washington, but uh, especially in the New York Orthodox Jewish community, there was, there was some measles outbreaks, and it was spreading across the country. And this was before COVID, so probably, you know, it's out of people's minds. But, you know, it was really alarming that this disease, which was pretty much under control uh, up until last year, and it came down to there was a lack of vaccinations within these communities. And for whatever reason, the people in these communities were choosing either not to vaccinate themselves or to vaccinate their children. Do you, do you recall that outbreak? And what do you think contributed to that? I do recall that. And the points that I would like to make, uh, number one, is measles is, in fact, the most contagious infectious disease that that we consider um, in the current times. And so what that means is that it takes the highest level of vaccination or herd immunity in a community to prevent an outbreak. So as those outbreaks have happened, um, everything I read is that there was low vaccination rates in those communities, and I do believe that that uh, contributed to or directly led to those measles outbreaks. Yeah, and one of the things about Colorado is that our Colorado law, I'm I'm actually pulling it up on the web at the colorado.gov website, Colorado law, this says, requires all students attending Colorado schools and licensed child cares to be vaccinated against certain diseases unless they have a a medical or non-medical exemption, and that must be filed uh, for each school and each child. 
And then just uh, recently here, within uh, the last couple of months, Senate Bill 163 was actually passed into law. Governor Polis signed this on June 26. The new law requires parents who choose not to vaccinate their kids for non-medical reasons to either provide an exemption form signed by a medical professional or to take an online module about vaccines and submit a completion certificate. So in light of, obviously, your support of vaccinations, what do you think of those laws? Well, I'm not a policymaker, but as a medical expert, I will say that I think this is actually a pretty smart law, the way it's written. What I really love about it and love to see is that it asks parents or really mandates parents go into their doctor's offices to have a discussion with the doctor or healthcare professional about vaccines and require then a sign off from the healthcare provider as to whether the uh, exemption will be made. At that point, I, I think the healthcare provider is going to be able to educate the parent and, and children, older children if they're there and really take that extra step to make sure that great shared decision making is going on so that it's the best decision for the child. Thank you, Dr. Scott Clemens. You are the Chief Medical Officer at New West Physicians in Arvada. Thanks for being part of Life in Colorado. So I'm just curious, we didn't really talk about this before the show, so I'm, 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 I'm hoping I'm not blindsiding you, but it does seem like there's this battle going on in, in some parents' minds about the safety of immunizations. You know, I've, I've, you know, I don't know if this is all conspiracy theory. I, I can honestly say my wife is kind of more the anti-vaccine camp. I'm more the pro-vaccine camp. So even within my own family, we've we've got this uh, tug of war going on there. It seems like there's, I, I don't know. For example, my wife she she has um, she has cited some websites that mention that there's. I'm trying to think. Is it mercury that that vaccines are accused of having some mercury in them or? something like that. To be honest, I'm not sure of the details, but what what do you think's going on with this tug of war where some parents are not feeling quite safe about vaccinating their kids because of some concerns they've read about on the internet? Yeah, I think at that last part, you said the most important thing to me, which is read on the internet. I would really like to see parents go into their child's pediatrician or primary care doctor and have these discussions about the safety of vaccines. When you ask medical professionals, they will back up and support the excellent safety profile of the vaccines that we have these days. And again, go back to what the vaccines do for us and their ability to prevent these diseases before they happen and and help continue the uh, healthy lifestyle that we love to lead here in Colorado. What would you say to a parent right now who perhaps has whether they've read it on the internet, maybe they've done their own research, maybe they've they've come to some conclusion that, you know, I just I don't I don't know I don't feel safe or I don't feel like it's the right thing to do to vaccinate my child. Again, you know, we're we're kind of back to that question: Why is it important to vaccinate our children? Talk about the ven- the benefits of vaccinations and and uh, maybe to counteract. You know, I mentioned this tug of war, so let's pull on the other side of the rope. You know, if somebody has come to this conclusion that you know, I don't feel comfortable, I don't feel safe, I, I have concerns. So pull on the other side of that rope for us. Give us, give us some, some pros about vaccinations. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about what 
our vaccines uh, significantly can help prevent. And I'll talk about both children and adults. We have excellent vaccines these days against chickenpox, in fact, for children. And uh, chickenpox, when children get it, and, and I did when I was a kid, frequently would cause parents to be out of work for a week while they'd be home taking care of their, their children. Um, you mentioned the outbreak of measles, which measles can have significant downstream health effects and disability effects on children. We absolutely want to prevent that. Whooping cough is another one. There is increases in outbreaks of whooping cough and our current Tdap vaccine, the P in Tdap is pertussis, which is whooping cough, and that protects us from getting uh, whooping cough illness, both for children and adults. Those vaccines are actually recommended for adults as well. And probably my, my best one to point out for adults is shingles. Shingles is exceedingly common. It can be a very painful rash and then even some other medical complications that can occur from it you know, up to and including death for some if there's brain inflammation. And shingles affects one in three adults in their lifetime. We now have uh, new and improved shingle va shingles vaccines, which we recommend after age 60, that can significantly reduce the likelihood of people getting shingles. And I see this uh, at least every month, uh, a patient with shingles in my office. So um, I will tell you that that is a frequent one that we run into in the primary care setting uh, for folks who get sick with uh, that illness. And it's, it's largely preventable. So um, when you look at vaccines, look at the upsides to preventing these illnesses, um, that's how I would present it to both my patients and the same way I look for myself and my family. Thank you, Dr. Scott Clemens. Again, you're the Chief Medical Officer at New West Physicians in Arvada. Thanks for being on Life in Colorado. So let's let's talk about, we, we've talked about the laws in Colorado requiring each school child to go ahead and get their vaccination. So run down the list for us. What, what kind of vaccinations do children need? Now, there's quite a long list. It, it does start after birth and then has a schedule over the months and years after that. But uh, a few of the ones that I've already mentioned, uh, tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis, chickenpox, uh, influenza vaccines, which we haven't really touched on yet, but we, we do those every fall. There are hepatitis vaccines for A and B, um, measles vaccines, and it's actually measles, mumps, and rubella that all go together. There's actually meningitis vaccines that, that young children get as well, which is uh, meningitis can be a disease that causes disability and even death. And then some further respiratory viruses, including pneumococcal uh, pneumonia um, uh, vaccines uh, that we have. Um, so quite a long list um, that, I th that I threw out there, um, but all very important for helping prevent these preventable, preventable infections. So let's say we're talking to a brand new parent, you know, they've, they've, they've given birth to their first child. So that seems like a long list. I mean, is that a shot per? I'm counting the holes in my arm on that one. Um, it, or, or is there a schedule that parents follow? How, how is it, again, talking to perhaps a new mom who's concerned about, okay, I want to vaccinate my, my children, but that was a long list. How, how do I go about accomplishing all of that? So that list actually um, is is slowly metered out over the first 18 years of a child's life, and and I'll just say I, 
I, I skipped uh, the HPV vaccine, which is another one for adolescents. They're not all given at once. Um, I will admit that I have two six-year-old boys, and I've been in the pediatrician's office when it's time for vaccines at a visit. And there definitely can, and, and there is multiple vaccines given on one day. That is safe, but it is challenging as a parent to see multiple needles come at your child, and it can be a little bit of a stressful event. Uh, but the the pediatrician's office and the, the primary care family practice office understand that they do that every day, and they have great techniques for reassuring both the, the child as well as the parents and help mitigate some of that uh, stress and anxiety and, and help it go well. And I really do think that once it's over, I'll feel a whole lot better that, that they have that level of protection with the excellent immunizations that we have. Probably is helpful, too, if the, you know, and I'm grateful for this conversation because it, it, it probably helps if the parent feels somewhat calm about it, too. You know, if the parent is is having anxiety or, or fears, then obviously the child's going to pick up on that. So it's, it's good that we're, we're educating uh, parents today. So how about the risks of skipping or delaying some of those vaccinations, especially for children? We'll get to adults in a moment, but uh, talk, about, talk about that. Yeah, um, and that's timely right now with COVID. So initially in March and April, there was a whole lot of fear with going to the doctor's office. And so if especially a child was due for a vaccine over those time, uh, that time period, I think it was rather challenging to have to make that decision to go in and get the vaccine or not. But I'll let you know that at New West Physicians from the start, we have, number one, had excellent safety protocols in place for the patients that we do bring to our offices to to give them the needed care. And we actually have been encouraging that our our children uh, and young folks continue to stay on their vaccine schedule um, because we know that if we skip uh, some or all of these vaccines, there's going to be risks. And, you know, as I believe I've uh, quite clearly stated, some of those risks can actually include uh, disability or even death in the in the event that an infection would happen. So uh, the risks are certainly there if we don't continue to vaccinate our children. Yeah, certainly, certainly a lot of um, potential for or illness to come upon the child. And, and so, yeah, as we're talking about those benefits, and we, we talked about the other side of the coin earlier that some parents have some fears, but, uh, you know, I, I'm hoping that as we continue to talk about this, that some parents are realizing the benefits of these vaccines. So uh, you already talked about how a child's physician, especially the pediatrician, is going to be prepared. They, they, they have ways that they deal with kids all the time. So I you know, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm going back in my memory and I seem to recall my pediatrician before, you know, the shots had like a puppet that he used. And I, I'm sure they probably have some more modern techniques besides that. But I, both for both child and the parent, how can they prepare the, for that visit? Okay. You know, the child's going to be a little scared about getting shots and the parent could be a little anxious. So what can, what can parents and children do beforehand, before they even get to the office to prepare? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I think we do need to be honest with the child, explain that shots do pinch or sting, but that how it hurts won't last for very long. 
you know, and it is important to engage the parent in this process and not really make anyone the bad guy, not make the nurse or medical assistant or, or doctor or parent uh, the bad guy in giving vaccines. Uh, but once they're in the room, distractions for the children can be helpful. Comfort for the children uh, with being held by the parent is good. Um, I think that what I saw with my children was there was a degree of speed as well. Um, get in, get the process done, and 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 be able to move on and and. Uh, kids are wonderful that way and that they, they usually uh, move on pretty quick to the next event, especially if the, the sting or the pain is is limited in time. I'm, I'm just imagining and just uh, pick your brain a little bit here that they're probably online and probably, uh, you know, uh, the, the library or the bookstore. I can imagine there's probably materials out there written out on kids level that can walk the walk the child through, you know, what it's going to be like and and you know, give this, give it in a story form where where kids can be comforted. I, again, I I don't know if you know of any of those resources right off the top of your head. You know, in fact, the CDC website does have a a link for parents for uh, how to prepare before, during, and after vaccinations. So that would be my my first place to go. But a call to the pediatrician's office prior to taking your children in they might be able to give you their individual recommendations as well. Great. Now, Dr. Scott Clemens, Chief Medical Officer at New West Physicians in Arvada, we've talked a lot about kids. So let's switch switch, switch to adults. And I have to admit, I've grabbed my pencil because I'm, I think I'm going to need some of this information as well. How about adult vaccinations? Yeah, it, it certainly is less in number compared to the children. But again, it goes along schedules, usually age-based. And that is with our pneumococcal vaccines after age 65, our, our tetanus and pertussis updates every 10 years, the shingles vaccine that I talked about um, after age 60 is the best recommended time to do that. And then I, I do, of course, recommend a yearly flu shot in the fall for all of my patients. Those are for uh, what you consider your average or normal patient that doesn't have an immune compromising condition. And so sometimes those schedules are changed a little bit in specific instances when there are health conditions or um, sometimes even medications that someone is on uh, uh, that impairs the immune system and then the healthcare provider will have a little bit different approach to the timing of the schedule for these vaccines. And of course, you would have to discuss with your doctor the specifics as to whether you would fit into one of those categories. Gotcha. So I'm going to just speak for myself. I I have moved around the country over the last 20 years several times. And so therefore, uh, my visiting a physician has not been real consistent because I haven't had the same physician. I probably haven't had any vaccinations probably in 15 years, I'm going to guess. And so it sounds like some of those I'd need to definitely take care of because you mentioned every 10 years on one of those. Um, conversation with a physician, is that going to take care of of giving me the knowledge of what I need to get vaccinated? Uh, how would that conversation go? 
Yeah, in my office, it, it does tend to be a pretty easy conversation. And you point out a very common example, which is, uh, I don't know when my last uh, shot, especially for the tetanus booster was. And so a lot of times I try to pick the brain of my patient to see, did they have a significant cut, step on a rusty nail, which is the classic, uh, go to the emergency room, and sometimes a tetanus vaccine is given then. But if in our memory banks we just can't find that in the last five or so years, I'll offer to them that it is safe to be a little bit early than the 10-year mark to give their, their booster. And I, I make it their choice as to whether they want to do it on that day or, or wait a little bit. Uh, but I do recommend that my patients stay to their schedule. The other vaccines, as I pointed out, are generally age-based. And so, uh, of course, you know what your age is and, and whether you cross that threshold. Um, once you do receive a vaccine, though, um, especially considering the computers we carry around in our pockets, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea to keep a little note in the phone to know that you got those vaccines. Keep that uh, also with your other health records so that if it does come up in the future, you can be sure to know whether you got it. So let's go back to the flu vaccination. Obviously, everybody's been watching the numbers of COVID and uh, the amount of cases, the hospitalization and the deaths. But flu, as I recall, because I was actually doing somewhat of a comparison between the flu numbers and the COVID numbers, obviously the COVID numbers have now blown away the flu. But still, the flu kills a significant number of people every year, and vaccinations can certainly help prevent that. Talk about those numbers. Yeah, I I agree 100% with that. Um, You know, my analysis of the challenge with the flu numbers is that um, what the the country does and and really what the CDC does is have to look at uh, mortality or deaths that come from other health conditions when it's in addition to uh, or there's a contribution from influenza. And so that's why it's an estimation. Um, If someone has heart disease and then gets influenza and they get a pneumonia from that, it could in fact be fatal. And so we look at that as a contribution from the influenza infection because if, if they never had it in the first place, we wouldn't expect that they would have had that bad outcome. So that's why you see ranges um, there, but it seems quite apparent that the uh, severity and nature of pneumonia and, and poor outcomes for COVID uh, is far higher than our standard uh, yearly influenza. Thank you, Dr. Scott Clemens, Chief Medical Officer, New West Physicians in Arvada. You know, one, one question we haven't talked about yet is uh, dollar signs. Uh, people may be concerned, you know, does my insurance cover this? Uh, you know, how much is it going to cost me? What, do you, what would you say to someone with those concerns? It's always best to go to your insurance uh, website or call the numbers on the back of your card because sometimes there are differences. But for the most part, uh, regularly scheduled vaccines are well covered by all insurance plans. Great. Okay. So check with your insurance company. And a lot lot of times insurance companies in your policy will list the kinds of medications and vaccines that they cover. So that's a good place to start. So let's switch gears a little bit. Um, Obviously, COVID is on everybody's mind. It's in the news every day. And uh, 
Russia just came out with uh, a claim today. I just, uh, just saw it in today's news. I think Vladimir Putin said that uh, they have officially licensed a vaccine. His daughter has been inoculated. And uh, what, do, what do you think is in the future horizon as far as a vaccine for COVID? I do think we are going to need a vaccine or vaccines to help us get safely out of this pandemic. So while I haven't read the information out of Russia quite yet, I am definitely anxiously awaiting some further news from the companies that are producing vaccines um, and to see how that will play into our general approach for our, our communities and especially as doctors, how we're, how we're bringing that to um, uh, our, our most vulnerable patients so that we can prevent the further challenges that we have. I can imagine, and I'm one of them, that a lot of people are thinking, you know, okay, so this whole disease is new, the vaccine process is new, we're expediting. How am I going to know it's safe? Would you speak to that? You know, at, at this time, we don't have information for me to speak with any authority on that. But if you look at the vaccinations and immunizations that we currently provide and are currently manufactured, uh, the evidence is quite clear that there is an excellent safety profile. So um, I'm confident that uh, the future will need to have a vaccine to help us get out of this pandemic. And I look forward to reviewing the options with with that for both my patients as, as well as the, the rest of the folks in my community. Dr. Scott Clemens, Chief Medical Officer of New West Physicians in Arvada, thank you for being part of Life in Colorado. If you have questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687 or email us at lifeincolorado at salemdenver.com. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of Salem Media of Colorado.